Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. We're ending the month of May, which has been Lupus Awareness Month. And I wanted to bring on a guest, a guest to talk about lupus awareness. And Marissa Zapperi is joining us. She's an author, a speaker. She has a new memoir out called Chronically Fabulous. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us here to talk about lupus. Thank you so much for having me and for talking about this important topic. I think it's really important, and I know you're the founder of a nonprofit uh, social community called Lupus Chick as well. So let's talk about um, the memoir first. How did this come about? So about 10 years ago, I knew that I wanted to write a memoir. Um, I was, you know, in journalism at the time. I love writing. Mm. And I really wanted to be able to share all the things that I was learning through having this disease now for two decades um, but it was about three years ago when, you know, lupus chick has just been growing and a lot of people ask, um, very similar questions. And I thought, you know, let me take some of the most important topics that come up with chronic illness and really dig into them in a memoir. And so I sold chronically fabulous about two and a half years ago to broadleaf books, who is my publisher. And that's really when the journey kicked off. So tell for, tell our listeners who may not understand lupus, what is lupus exactly? Lupus is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease. And basically the easiest way I can describe that to someone who is healthy or doesn't have lupus is that my body doesn't recognize its organs and tissues and blood and skin as its own. So when we have, when our body sees like a foreign substance in our body, it wants to attack it because it sees that it doesn't belong there, or at least it believes it doesn't belong there. So with lupus, uh, everyone's different, but the most common things that are affected are your lungs, heart, kidneys, brain, and blood and skin. Wow. So how is it? Um, well, how are you first diagnosed? How do you know you even have lupus? Diagnosis has definitely been one of the trickiest things for people with lupus. Um, they say the average is two to six years for a correct diagnosis because these symptoms mimic so many other diseases. A lot of people will go to their physician and present with things like rashes or fatigue or um, maybe just joint and muscle pain. So, you know, if you don't have all of these things at the same time, they could easily be, you know, considered to be something else. Uh, so that's where diagnosis can definitely be a little tricky. There are certain blood tests that need to be done. There's not one, like one specific test. Um, there's sort of a, you know, just a bundle of tests that really need to be done. But it's usually when someone has enough symptoms and they start happening around each other and they're actually presentable when they're in the doctor's office that I feel like doctors are you know, finally starting to say, okay, maybe this is something different than just stress or you know, you're just exhausted or maybe you're getting the flu and that's why you, know, you feel the joint and muscle pain. Mm -hmm. And so how is it treated? So there is no cure for lupus. It is treated with a lot of older medications that were made for other illnesses. We only have one medication right now that's ever been created solely for lupus. It came out a few years ago uh, called Benlista. But other than that, we, and it doesn't, it really depends on what areas of the body are affected if you're eligible for Benlista. But 
Typically, lupus is treated with hydroxychloroquine, which we heard a lot about during COVID. It's the first-line treatment for lupus. And then steroids and immunosuppressants, like old chemotherapy drugs that they don't use on for cancer patients any longer. Wow. Okay. So what about natural? Do you, do you combine like the medication and like natural approaches? Are there foods or, that help you or hurt you? I'm a huge advocate of alternative and complementary therapies. Um, I've been able to work with functional medicine doctors and nutritionists on supplements, on food, um, and different things just to incorporate in my life. And when I do all of those things along with the medicine, I definitely feel the strongest. Um, mm. But incorporating those things over time, you know, I've been able to lessen my pharmaceutical medications from about 10 to about four. So it's been very helpful for me, but it took me a long time to figure out what worked for me. So that's a really good point. I mean, is it trial and error, Marissa, in terms of like, is it an individual approach or do you have tactics that you think could help other patients with lupus? So I think there's like broad tactics and it's something that I talk about in a few chapters of Chronically Fabulous. Like people with lupus and autoimmune diseases tend to have high uh, percentage of allergies. So it really helped for me to go to an allergist and find out my food sensitivities, my food allergies. Even though I was eating things that were considered healthy, I was allergic to them. So I was having a reaction. So I think that was like the number one. And then, and that will be different, obviously, for everyone. And then working with a nutritionist and a functional medicine MD with, you know, depending on what systems of the body you have affected by the lupus and then, you know, figuring out what supplements can help you. Um, there's a lot of like medical grade supplements that are available, like through functional medicine doctors. And those have really helped me as far as energy um, even as far as fevers, fevers are very common with lupus. And so a lot of those supplements are geared toward lessening inflammation in the body. And so that has been a huge help um, in my walk. But, you know, I think so there's these broad avenues that people can travel down, but it's going to, I think it's going to be a little different for everyone. Okay. So when you wrote the book, who, who did you intend it is it for lupus patients, family members? I mean, what was your intended audience? Years ago, I had originally intended it for lupus patients, but when I started working with my editor at the publishing house, we really just opened it up to anyone living with a chronic illness because a lot of us deal with, you know, I, I like to I like to compare it to water in that it will seep into every single crack of your life. It will seep into your relationships, your finances, your independence, your career, like every single area. And that's across the board for anyone, no matter what chronic illness or autoimmune disease they have. And then, you know, the themes in the book, as far as hope and finding purpose and understanding that life revolves in this, um, in this way of seasons and that every season, you know, isn't going to last forever. It really opened the book up even more to people that were dealing with a trauma or maybe just a difficult life season, like a divorce or infertility or something like that. So I've, I've had remarks and feedback from people that, you know, it's been incredible and they don't have even a chronic illness, but they're able to relate to certain things in the book. So Marissa, tell me about the nonprofit you started. So I started Lupus Chick 12 years ago. Um, it was really just a way to connect with other people that had chronic illness and autoimmune disease. 
And because a lot of us, you know, especially when we're in treatment or we're in flares, we are homebound or we're hospital bound, you know, and there's mm. a lack of connection. So Lupus Chick grew and grew. I started out of a hospital bed and now we reach about 400,000 people a month that have chronic illness or their caregivers, you know, are part of our community. And we, as far as the nonprofit side, we like to focus on education because a lot of people have their educational plans sort of thwarted with uh, chronic illness or when they're diagnosed, they can no longer do what they originally went to school for. So we like to do twice a year these educational stipends so that they can go back to school and be able to financially support themselves. Mm. That's good. That's, that's a really good point. So how is the nonprofit going uh, since the inception, Marissa? It's been amazing. Um, it just continues to grow and we're able to help more people and reach more people. Uh, this month for Lupus Awareness Month, we gave away our 12th and 13th uh, college stipend, which was you know, oh. amazing. I never thought of these. I never yeah. thought any of this would happen when I originally started it in my hospital bed. Yeah. So Marissa, is, is lupus, if properly medicated and eating the right foods, maybe combining holistic and traditional me medicine. Um, can it be kept in, in so-called remission since there's no cure? There are some people that will reach remission, you know, it really depends. Is there lupus mild, moderate, or severe? And what organ does it, does it affect? Mm -hmm. I've never been in a remission in the 20 years uh, personally, although I'm able to get my symptoms somewhat under control during certain times. But as far as, you know, people that have more, say, moderate to severe lupus, and let's say it's affecting their kidney, they may eventually go on dialysis. They may eventually need a kidney transplant. I, I know several friends that have had kidney transplants because of the lupus, and I've had friends that have passed away from lupus. So lupus is a potentially fatal disease. And that's why it's really important that people understand, you know, even though we might look fine on the outside, which is very common, there is a lot of damage that is happening on the inside. Mm. We're talking with uh, Marissa Sepperi, right? I'm sorry yeah. if I pronounced it <laughs> incorrectly. Marissa, what uh, you've had it for a long time, so you were virtually pretty young when you were diagnosed with lupus. Is that correct? Is that typical to be diagnosed at a young age, or? So my family and I can think back to the age of eight, where my symptoms first came out. But I actually wasn't diagnosed until my twenties. Okay. Um, so, so was, would you say yeah, the same? Like I grew up in the eighties. They didn't. They didn't. Weren't testing for lupus back then. Oh. Okay. So when you say your symptoms, like what did you? What did your family recognize it at the, as young as eight? Yeah. So you know, being eight years old, I started getting just strange fevers. I remember I was exhausted all the time. So I would you know barely be able to make it through a day of school, and then I would come home and I would basically sleep for the rest of the day where my oh. friends were outside. And then we had moved from New York to Florida at one point. And one of the biggest triggers for many lupus patients is the sun and the heat. And so I would go outside and I would get like violently ill. Um, oh. And we weren't sure, but you know, everyone kind of chalked it up to, well, the Florida sun and the heat is really intense and you're not used to it. And you know, you just have to, you have to get used to it. Right. So then it's like, well, you have to spend more time out there because you know, you aren't, you're not from a place that's normally this hot. Yeah. And of course that just made me even more sick, but even though I was not a healthy child and I was in the doctor's office often because I have asthma, you know, 
we never heard the word lupus back then. And, and if they did test it, it, it was far and few between, and it was never brought up to my family. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Lupus Awareness Month. We're ending the month of May, which has been Lupus Awareness Month. And joining us here on It's Your Community is Marissa Zeppereri. She is a speaker, author of the new memoir, Chronically Fabulous. She's the founder of the nonprofit and social community, Lupus Chick. And where can we get the book, Marissa? How do you purchase the book? So right now the book is at about 200 Barnes and Nobles in the United States. They can get it on Amazon. There's a lot of smaller independent bookstores across the United States that have it. And actually a lot of libraries um, purchase the book too. So I have a lot of people that are finding it at their local library. That's great. And so people listening here on It's Your Community that may want to get involved in your nonprofit or learn more, how do they do that? Yeah, so they can go to lupuschick.com. We have a couple of different ways that you can get involved. Um, we have some people that love to write for us. Um, we interview a lot of experts in the field, in the medical field, or even other patients or caregivers. And then we have our donors. Our college stipend is completely funded by donors. So Marissa, what are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions about lupus itself? Uh, there are a few that really uh, stick out, and one is it's often called a woman's disease, and that is not true. I have a lot of male friends that do have lupus. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they you get it more diagnosed in women. It's nine out of every 10 patients are women, but mm-hmm. you know it, it sort of leaves the male voice out, and oftentimes they sort of get neglected, but things are changing thanks to social media and men that are speaking out. And I would say the other things are, it's often, you know, described as cancer. It's not related to cancer at all. And, you know, there are still a lot of studies show that there are still about 40 to 45% of people that think if they sit next to someone or they hold someone's hand or they eat or drink off of someone that has lupus, that they will catch it. And lupus is not contagious in any way. So that is completely untrue. Wow. How really? I never heard of it. So people actually think it's contagious. Yes, especially you know if you get the skin um, involvement with oh, the okay, you know, and they can see it on you. It's you know I see the visual, the visual. I see so right. okay, that kind of makes sense. So you know, what are you hoping? Um, you know, the future of the the nonprofit will be like. What are your goals for the next five years for the nonprofit? I would really love to beef up the stipend um, and be able to give out more or larger stipends. Obviously, we know college prices and, and tuition and books, they're not cheap. Also, we allow um, for that stipend to help with their rent or even their medication while they're in school. Uh, the average lupus annual cost of taking care of a lupus patient is about $50,000. So, you know, there's wow. a lot of bills. Yeah, it's very expensive. Um, The medications are very expensive. Um, And also to do more conferences and hopefully be able to do some things in person now that, you know, we have COVID vaccine and and things are opening up a little bit more. Does most insurance not cover the cost of treating lupus? So insurance covers it to an extent, um, but some of the newer medications and infusions, you know, are often not covered right off the bat. There's a lot of patients that do have to go through an appeals process, um, you know, or just can't afford the co-pays of their medication. 
So, you know, it can be like my one medication uh, because I get the brand name of it, which is the, I get the hydroxychloroquine, but for me, I have to get the brand name because of some reactions that I have. It's about $700 a month. Wow. Wow. That's a lot, Marissa. And in, in, in terms of, um, you mentioned you have friends that have passed away. What's the mortality rate of lupus? I mean, is there, is it, can the percentage? Um, I don't have an exact percentage. I feel like there in the next few years, we'll be looking at new data. You know, they say 5 million people around the world have lupus. And that's been a number that has been around since I was first diagnosed 20 years ago. Okay. So I feel like we need, you know, some updated data in, in this you know, disease category. So where does your work in terms of the nonprofit fall into the research? Are you, is there, do you think that there's enough research out there on the disease itself? There, I definitely think so. And the past couple of years have been, you know, just phenomenal in terms of ramping that up. There are some amazing lupus organizations like, uh, Lupus Research Alliance, and that is their sole focus. Lupus Chick is more focused on the everyday, the connecting with others that have autoimmune disease, because yeah. I feel like we have research, we have organizations that are solely education, but I knew as a, as a patient, especially 20 years ago, I needed to know how to get through every single day. And my doctors weren't able to spend enough time with me or didn't really understand on a personal level, what is it like? when you need medical devices to help you, you know, take a shower. Like I need to talk to other patients about getting a shower chair or getting a wheelchair or wow. what are okay. some alternative things that you do for fatigue. That's where the patient voice really is important because it's through learning others' experiences and being able to share the things that have worked for them that is helping someone actually get through the challenges that they deal with from morning till night. So we're talking with the author of the book, Chronically Fabulous, and the founder of the nonprofit, uh, Lupus Chick. Marissa is talking with us about Lupus Awareness Month here in its community. And we talked a little bit, um, Marissa, about, um, you know, food, exercise, nutrition, and you included in your book some recipes. Are, are those some of your favorite recipes or recipes that you know are healthy for lupus patients? Yes. So the recipes in the book, actually, I grew up with my Italian grandmother who started cooking at six o'clock in the morning. And I love <laughs> I love to be in the kitchen. Yeah. And she is a huge part of the book. And I added the recipes because one food really brings us together, but yeah. food is also can be extremely healing. So I took a lot of my favorite recipes from her and I sort of tweaked them, you know, for the autoimmune body. And, you know, more ingredients today that are a little bit more popular. I did keep a couple of her old school Italian recipes. And even though I can't personally eat them, I do make them for my family because they love them. So mm. there is something in there for everyone. So I love that. And I love the Italian background. So are there foods that are basically a no-no for anybody with lupus? I think it really depends, again, like if they have a food sensitivity, but also, you know, there are some, there isn't a specific diet that's recommended for lupus, but they do say to, you know, you want to keep away from high inflammatory foods, like fried foods, fast foods, usually things that are processed, high sugar, um, you know, and, and you also have to think about 
is this person on a lot of steroids? And you want to be careful of how much sugar you're, you're taking in um, mm. because steroids can affect your sugar levels in your body. Do this, does this person have kidney involvement? If so, you want to be cognizant of the amount of protein, you know, you're bringing in um, with food. So there, it's very individualized, but for me, I know if I stick with fresh fruits and vegetables and lean meats and bone broths and fresh juices, you know, that's when I tend to feel the best. That's good. We're talking with uh, Marissa. She uh, is a speaker and author. When you when you go around speaking, um, Marissa, who do you speak to? Do you travel speaking? Do do hospitals hire you? How do you end up getting your speaking engagements? Yeah, typically people will come through the Lupus Chick uh, website or they'll see me at a speaking engagement. I've worked with a lot of lupus organizations, a lot of pharmaceutical companies, and then just some patient groups. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel, which has been amazing. You know, it really depends. I think I think some of the neatest speaking engagements I get, one is like speaking to patients about hope and just letting them know like there's still, I've had this for 20 years and there's still so many things that we can do and we can still live at our dreams, which I think is very important because you definitely go through a grieving process when you're diagnosed with an illness. But also working with some of the pharmaceutical companies and being able to speak to their researchers and scientists and giving them a different perspective and hearing from a lot of them that they don't really get to interact with patients, which sort of blows my mind because their life's work is dedicated to our making our medication. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, that to me is always really enjoyable because I feel like I give them a perspective that they're not getting on a regular basis. So, you know, uh, Marissa, on the show here in It's Your Community, I always like to ask our guests how they connect, collaborate, and communicate with their community uh, in the work that they do. How do you do that? What advice do you have for people um, about connecting, collaborating, and communicating with other people in the community to move your cause along? Yes, I mean, they can, you know, connect. obviously, like, social media is our biggest platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can connect with us on Instagram at lupus chick official or on Facebook at lupus chick, and they can go to lupuschick.com. And, you know, there's a lot of events that we do. We do a lot of giveaways, um, especially for like companies or brands that have like products that can actually help with the day-to-day pain points of someone with chronic illness. Like we love to collaborate with people like that. My, my goal is to I want to be as helpful as possible. So I want someone that has this or another autoimmune disease. Let's try to make things as easy, you know, as possible. So we can sort of decrease some of the challenges that they deal with every single day. Mm -hmm. The book is chronically fabulous. The nonprofit is lupus chick, the author. Um, We're talking with Marissa here this morning on it's your community. What else do you want to share with our listeners before we let you go, Marissa? I would just love to say, if you know someone that has a chronic illness or lupus or an autoimmune disease, um, it's very it's very common when someone looks healthy on the outside to really not understand what they're going through or just how much um, how many medical issues are going on. So I would always tell people just be kind, ask someone how they're doing, and offer you know a tangible solution instead of. If there's something I could do for you, let me know. It's really helpful if you can say, hey, I'm going to swing by the grocery store today and I'm going to get you A, B, and C. Let me know what else you need. Or let me come by today and I'll help you with the kids or help you with laundry. A lot of us that have chronic illness will not ask for help. 
Um, but when there's someone that really speaks out and is very intentional, it can just be life-changing. Right. Marissa Separary, thank you so much for joining us here on It's Your Community. Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, the book is Chronically Fabulous. The nonprofit is Lupus Chick. If you have any questions or comments or topics you want me to get to, get to me, Vanessa Denhagarmo. You do that easily by going to communications, Epiphany Communications and Coaching. You can uh, shoot us an email from our website. You can also find us on all the social media platforms. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, on communica Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook as well. As always, we remind our listeners to connect, collaborate, and to communicate with your community. It's your community. A public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.